Hello, everyone. This is Kristen Crockett, your hostess for the Courageous Destiny podcast, creating your own rules of empowerment. And today I am so excited to have Joni Killius with me. I have to be completely honest. This woman is more courageous than I think anybody I've ever interviewed on my show and anybody I've ever met in my life. And I'm so honored to have her on the show today. Joni is a successful, she's been a successful accountant in corporate America. She is a mom of six. She is a survivor of cancer and a lot of other things that many of us can't even, can't even fathom. She's a health and wellness lifestyle stand for people. That's what I'm going to say. And I am just so honored to have her here. Welcome Joni to my show. Thank you, Kristen. I'm so happy to be here. Yes. I, you know, we've had so many, so many conversations. And one of the things that really stand out to me is, you know, some of the things that you've had to endure. And it's not just what you've endured, but how you've managed to keep getting back. You know, there's a song by Chumbawamba. <laughs> I get knocked down and I get back up again. And when I think of that song, you're one of the people that I think of because you have, you've been knocked down several times and you've managed to get back up and keep on going. And I would love for you to share with us some of your story and some of those things that, that you've endured and that you've got knocked down and you've got back up again. Um, yeah, the, the getting knocked down and getting back up has been pretty much all my life. So I wouldn't know, um, I wouldn't know smooth sailing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> starting out um, at a very young age, I was in foster care and um, was adopted. So, and I, it wasn't very, very young. I was nine years old when I got adopted. So I knew very well what was, what was going on and that, that my life was different. Um, I was adopted by two beautiful people um, who also adopted 20 other children. So I came from a big, 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 big family. And then at 18, um, I was diagnosed with cancer for the first time. And we didn't think that I was going to see the other side. Um, they give me about six months to live. And um, I did all the things that had to do with all the things of fighting cancer at such a young age and came out victorious um, and lived cancer-free for right at 18 years. Um, you know, had some, some uh, abusive relationships. My first husband uh, put me in the hospital. So I've been through domestic violence and then um, I had the cancer came back. And then I fell into a deep depression, uh, lost my home, fell into substance abuse, um, and really went down a, a dark, a dark path. I I've held, held one of my children as they passed. I uh, made some very bad decisions in my life, and fought cancer, fought the addiction, fought the abusive. Um, narcissistic behaviors of, of the demons of the past and I'm still standing I'm still fighting 
I'm still moving forward. Um, a year past my cancer treatments, two years out of substance abuse and reclaiming my voice. I am letting my mass be God's message. Um, through full surrender, just, just full surrender to God. And um, because as I sat in a jail cell, pregnant, um, found out about my daughter's heart defect um, because of my substance abuse, I thought I was going to die in that jail cell. And that's where I completely said, God, there was no way out of, I saw no, no way out. No, no way was I getting out of that jail cell um, to get my cancer treatments, to get my daughter the medical treatment that she needed. Um, and I did, I got out of the jail cell and God completely again and again, God has said, I've got more for you. I've got more for you. And the saying that uh, God only, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. God will absolutely give you more than you can handle because you, you have to rely on him. And if it wasn't for God's strength, I don't know where I would be. So that's um, just a couple of the many courageous things is. I mean, um, it's, it's really incredible. You know, I think about, you know, people that I've coached, I think about, I mean, I've spent thousands of hours talking to people on the phone about their lives and, you know, things that they'd like to create in their lives and their life circumstances, you know, and it's really amazing to me. And, and I don't mean this in negative in any way, because it shows up as real to them, you know, and, and has showed up to me as real at times, for example, even just how just a small shortage of money can make somebody feel so powerless, just even that, that little bit. And when you look at some of the things that you've been through, you know, and you look at some of the things that you've endured, you know, it's, it is possible to continue your life in any circumstance. And that's what you've been able to do. And so it's just to draw that contrast, right? People are afraid of money and it stops them and it paralyzes them you've gone through so much more than just that, right? I mean, it, it, it's really incredible, but yet life had to keep on moving. Life mm -hmm. keeps on moving no matter what circumstance that we're in. And something that I would love to drill into for my listeners and, and something you may not realize that you are, you know, when you've gone through these kinds of traumas, you have developed some expertise at recovering from these traumas. What do you do when you were confronted with some of these things? What were some of the things that you did to, to, to survive? Um, every single challenge and anytime I am starting to get overwhelmed or feel that I can't and I start believing self-limiting thoughts or I get scared, I go back to God. That's the only one consistent thing throughout my entire life that I know. And it 
it gives me strength. Um, it gives me joy, gives me hope and faith that there is, this is, this is just a stopping place. This is just short term mm -hmm. and this isn't my tomorrow. And through God and his love and his amazing grace is the one, one my one coping mechanism. Um, if it wasn't for God, I would, I would have been in that jail cell. If it wasn't for God, I would have died the first time I fought cancer. Um, the second time, uh, the second time it had metastasized to my liver and they said, we give you a year at best if you do nothing and you've spent the last nine months pregnant. So we never thought we would hear the words remission or the dead cancer cells or the tumors are gone and they're gone. They're mm. gone. Um, that's, that's just God. That's just miraculously. That's, that's God. And I can't, I can't take the credit for it. I can't, um, this is just God. That's my one, my one power source. Well, and one of the things that I think about, you know, no matter what religion that you're in, we always have free will to choose the actions that we take. And one of the things when you say to me, you give it up to God, what are some of the things that you choose to do that are acts of you doing that? Um, Does that make sense? Um, how do I give it? Just how do you give it to him? How do I give it to God? Um, I know that sounds funny, but a lot of people go, well, that's great. Well, now what do I do? Yeah. Well, right? I have to, and I'll tell you before, before um, one of my companies, some big things were breaking ground or right after it broke ground, I literally took my calendar and I, I have a hand on it now. I literally took my calendar and my daily action plan and I said, God, if it's to be, show me how. And that was on the first of that month. And I did it. I took the steps and um, I did it. God, God showed me what to do, how to do it. You know, he led me to, and, and that's just in that, for instance, um, when I'm scared, God is, the, the devil is a liar and is the father of fear. And so I just, I take, I go back to reading my Bible verses or deeping, digging deeper into a particular study. You know, there's action steps that look, if I don't take these, I incorporate um, a devotion and a Bible study. The difference is the devotion is devoting that time to God and hearing his word. A study is actually digging deep into the word and how to apply it to your life. So when I don't, in the morning times, I'm doing, I do a devotion and I do a meditation and a prayer time guide my God, guide my steps, show me what needs, clearly needs to be done. 
And when I don't do that, that's the days when by the end of the day, I'm exhausted, I'm done, I can't think, I got nothing right, everything feels like, you know, a ball of yarn rolling across the floor. So maintaining that open line of communication with God is, and then it just seems that, again, then it's after that is what steps do I need to take for this, this, and this? What am I going to be doing today? What am I doing tomorrow? Um, and with uh, being a mother of five children at home, you got to be flexible. So there are some times when the Bible study is put on play or the, the Bible devotions just put on play and I'm running around getting kids dressed, but um, clear. So action. here's what, here's what I'm hearing. And I love this. So, and thank you for that. What I'm hearing is that you have that fear, right? You know, there's been an extreme circumstance and you have that fear and knowing that that fear is the enemy or, you know, in your case, you had mentioned the devil, right? So knowing that fear is, is, is the enemy, then taking that, then picking up the Bible and reading a verse, getting yourself present with God, and then giving him that circumstances that is causing that fear, right? So you give him that, you're like, I want it, I can't deal with it. And you got to deal with this enemy guy, because that's your, your business. (laughs) (laughs) I'm definitely simplifying, right? But you're getting present, and you're taking a physical action, you're keeping the work of your faith alive and you're handing your fear over to God. Yes. And in doing so, and I swear this is true. Like when we hold on to fear in our bodies, it wreaks havoc, you know, it makes us sick, you know, it's like stress. It's like it, it, it will, it, you know, we don't let things go and we let things fester. We think that we can control certain things. It, you know, we can't control other people, you know, and, and I, I work when I work with my clients, I always share this with them as it was shared with me, which is I can't control people, places and things. I can't control those things. So if I keep carrying around the fear of what other people are going to do or, or, you know, how other things are going to impact me and I hold that inside of me, it's very possible I will make myself sick eventually and I won't be able to see what to do next. But by giving it up to God, right, as, as you've created, you know, and I don't care what religion people are, you know, I, I really don't care what religion, I don't care if people get offended either, because my, my podcast is called Courageous Destiny, and I can talk about whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> but by giving it to God, right, by really giving it to God, you're taking the fear away, and you're not storing it in you. And how healing is that? And how many times did you get over cancer? Twice. 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 Yeah. The first I mean, I don't know if that's it, but it sure sounds like it's it to me. <laughs> <I had. laughs> Makes sense. It's a possibility. I took, I took um, twice. They were told, you know, twice I was told, well, at 18, you only have approximately six months to live. Um, it's already moved into the lymph nodes. And 
within those six months, I was done with, at that time, I was only just um, some surgery and they removed the lymph nodes and said, okay, we think we got it all. And then 18 years later, it had metastasized from skin cancer to my liver and 40% of my liver was eat up with tumors. And we couldn't do any um, surgery because of where the tumors were and it being melanoma. And so it was aggressive treatment was going to be required. <laughs> and then I became pregnant and I, could, I was not going to kill my child. I was not going, it was my bad. I should not have, I, I should have made sure that that was not gonna happen to me while I'm going through this. I should have been more concerned about my life. Um, and so I didn't. So those nine months that I spent pregnant, the cancer is still growing. So by the time that finished, the cancer tumors were like nine and a half by seven centimeters. That's almost the size of a baseball. You could physically see the tumors from the outside of my body that were on my liver. Um, so being able to now say that the largest tumor measured on December 29th, 0.2 centimeters and had absolutely no live cancer cells. You can't tell me that's not God. I don't care who you are. When they tell you, you'll never hear the words remission and they tell you that you have no cancer anymore. Um, was it, uh, well, yes, it was hard. And did I have to some days, yeah, sometimes I got angry with God. Why am I, why am I not, you know, better? Um, even after my cancer treatments ended, I still, my body was still in a physical wreck because of the choices that I had made when I went into that deep hole. Um, when we found out about the cancer the, the second time, a lot of life happened and I wasn't as, um, trusting in my relationship with God. Yes, I was, I still had that relationship, but I did not stand as firm and strong in it. Um, but getting on to the, the other side of that, um, there's just my, oh, my, my health was a wreck and mm -hmm. like, I should be feeling better. I should be feeling better. And once again, God, God it just has done amazing things when I fully just say, I can't do it. Um, one example that, that really comes to mind is after my, my youngest daughter was born, we knew um, that she was going to go through multiple open heart surgeries to try and um, try and have her heart beat the way that it, the best that it could. We knew that it was never going to be the way that it should be because only half of her heart developed. She had hypoplastic left heart syndrome. And it was an emotion. I, I was at the hospital every single day with her. Um, she had three open heart surgeries and five heart catheterizations. And the day that I, of course, we stayed on our knees, God, you know, heal her if it's to be. But when it finally came to the point to where we realized that, okay, are we doing things for her or to her? 
along the lines of the test and you know CAT scans and um, removing blood clots and you know here's this this baby 17 days old I just I finally said God if it's not in your will to heal her go ahead and take her because I can't can't handle no more I can't handle the highs the lows my daughter's going to be okay she's not and I carried along a lot of guilt with that because of my choices that I made while I was pregnant with her did I do this to my child um so I just that day sitting outside the hospital I said god I just can't if you're gonna take her take her now and even at that moment, I did not know where I would, where I was going to go when I left that hospital. Um, I was on house arrest and where I was supposed to go back to was not a safe situation for me to be in for the fear of the decisions that I would make after being under so much stress. And God showed up again. Yes, he took my daughter. Mm -hmm but that's where she needed to be. But at that moment in time, sitting there praying with surgeon that had held my daughter's heart in his hands, I made a promise that I would never make those same decisions that could have very well put my daughter into that position. God continued to move. He moved in ways that only caught again. By the time we left that hospital that night, not only was my probation officer on board with me going to a safe place that I would not pick up use to where I would not abuse drugs to numb the pain that I was going through. God also moved heaven and moved heaven and earth to, to get my children into another spot because of during that time, we were very much involved in a DCF case because of my substance abuse and God moved he moved physically moved my children to my sister-in-law's house and got me out of you know it was just again I, I just said god i can't do it you'll have to do it i don't know where i'm going to go tonight but i know that it's it's time for me to let go and let you and um i physically did get sick that night i made it all the way to the two and a half hour drive home from the hospital um, and literally got out of the car and looked up and it was clear, dark night. And I, I literally got sick. And, but that was that pivotal point when I just said, God, I can't do it. It's, it's gotta be you. And there's been so many times in my life that when I get to that point and I say, I can't do it, it's not me. I ain't got the strength, I ain't got the knowledge, I ain't got the, the, the hope, the faith. All I did have was the faith. It, you got to do it, God. And he's done it time and time again. Um, healed me from cancer twice. He's, you know, moved heaven and earth. He's gotten me out of jail. He's, God has been, God is my provider. And by throwing up my hands and giving it all to him, that's the only way I know how to survive. One of the things that I want to make sure I acknowledge you for too is, is the free will part. So you've given it up to him, but then you've also taken action on behalf of yourself 
you've, you've um, taken on your health in a whole new way. You've become a stand for other people to take on their health in a whole new way. And you've helped heal your body. You've done the work as far as picking up the Bible, going to Bible studies, you know, making sure that you've worked the muscle of your faith because that's really critical. And when, you know, you've gotten the education, you kept taking action. You didn't just lay down and accept the circumstances. You worked your way through them. So even though you gave it up to God, you also took action and kept creating on behalf of your family and yourself. And I want to acknowledge you for that because it's, 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 you know, I, and I hear this a lot, you know, you know, God is not, you know, he works through us, right? At least that's my belief. I shouldn't say that. Like I, you know, <laughs> I'm not a minister. I haven't studied theology, right? But, you know, God works through us and we have to move our hands and our feet and take the actions to create in our life. If we just lay down during those hard times and those circumstances, you know, we become powerless Mm -hmm. And we're never powerless as long as we have God. And I like to think of him as he's, he lives in my heart, right? You know, so as long as we have him in our heart and we have the faith that he's there and we take action, that's all we can do. Yeah, it's, it's uh, faith without action is worthless. Yes, yes. And I love that you said that. And this has been just an amazing conversation. And I want to thank you for being so vulnerable and open with us. What's next for you? What, you know, what is next for you? Because this sounds an awful lot like something that people deserve to be able to hear about. That's what I have been told so many times and time (laughs) and time again, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to write the book. You're going to write the book. I love it. I'm going to write the book. I've, everybody is even um, the day that I got out of jail, when I was talking with the heart doctor that um, was following my daughter while I was pregnant. um, He was like, your, your story is so inspirational. You need to write a book. And again, and again, I've been told, so I'm going to do it. I love it. I love it. So do you, would you say that, and I, I don't mean to like, would that be the most courageous thing you've done? Because I always ask everybody that, that, okay, I asked two questions. One, what's the most courageous thing you've done? And what's the most courageous thing that you want to do that's still left on your bucket list? Um, writing the book, I don't think is going to be as courageous as getting up in front of a, a large, large crowd and speaking. So that will come. It will come. It's just practice. Look at me. I have a, if people were to say, you know, do you, you have your own podcast? That wasn't available to me eight years ago when I met my coach and my mentor. It just takes practice, just like anything else. And when you're willing, you know, like that whole willing thing, when you're willing to practice and you get up in front of people and, you know, one of the things that I did, I'll share with you, this might help you is I always volunteered to go first. (laughs) 
I always volunteered to go first. Whenever I was at a networking event, whenever I was, you know, had to speak, I started on purpose volunteering to go first because I wouldn't want to prepare in my head what I was going to say, because that would always mess me up. So what I would do, what I, I would create that no matter what, I'm going to be enough. I'm going to be enough. The worst thing that's going to happen is I'm going to fall over my feet, land flat on my, my face. And I don't know, maybe my underwear would show or something <laughs> and I'll live through it. It's going to be okay. I'm going to put my hand on my chest afterwards. I'm not going to die because of it. I'm going to be okay. And when you think about the things that you've lived through, holy cow, speaking, it's a walk in the park, man. It's a walk in the park. I love it. I love it. You know, but I was the same way. You know, the biggest fear, one of the biggest fears that people have is public speaking. Is is speaking in front of people. It was, yeah, it was, uh, it wasn't as bad when I was in school and we had to give those presentations and the PowerPoints and things like that. Um, because I had done so much research and all, but when you're, when you're getting vulnerable and you're really, I don't know, I, I think, um, yeah, it's just one of them things that I, I get really nervous. I get them butterflies and like, you know, when you're right on the cusp of something great, so that will be my Maybe next Maybe that's time. God talking to you. Maybe you can reframe those butterflies in your mind that that's God talking to you. You know, a lot of us turn those into alarms, but to me, I've never done anything in my life that was really, really great if I didn't have those butterflies first. Yeah. So to me, it's a sign. I'm like, Ooh, I better do it because I got those butterflies going. <laughs> All right. One more thing. What's yes. the most? Out of all of this, what is, what would you say the most courageous thing you've done is? I mean, you've done so much courageous. What, what is the most courageous thing you've done? Allowing my mess to be God's message. That's beautiful. I really hope everybody listens to this. That, that's the most beautiful statement I've ever heard. And coming from you going through what you've been through. You know, it truly is an inspiration. You know, not many people can can look at the thing. You know, I remember one of my coaches saying to me, life is not linear. You know, it doesn't go in a straight. How do we learn how to navigate unless we have the ups and the downs? You've had a lot of navigation experience. You know, when something when something bad happens in our life, instead of going, oh my gosh, that thing that bad just happened and there's no way out. It's like, oh, well, I'm just learning how to navigate again. That's all. Yeah. I'm learning how to become a better driver, <laughs> you know. Or as someone recently told me, allowing God to be the driver and I just do the thing. Yes, yes. <laughs> I might know her. <laughs> Uh, what a great, great, great to have you on the show. I really hope that whoever's listening out there, I know there's somebody out there that needs to hear this. I have no doubt. And, you know, when you listen to this, you know, if if I, I don't know about you, Joni, but the one thing I would love people to pull from this is hope, you know, is, is hope that no matter what you're going through out there, no matter how bad it seems, there's hope. 
And one way to be able to get through these things is to be able to do something that is completely free to each of us. And that's through prayer and through faith. Yes. So. And it, that just triggered one, one thought and I've already got it marked here. Beautiful. Um, <laughs> Luke twelve forty eight. Uh, Unto whomever much is given of him shall much be required. Mm. This, is the Bible. this was a recent study or my current study and it was talking about um, the woman washing Jesus's feet with frankincense and why was she weeping and giving so much of herself because she was um, a woman of the night and the disciples did not think, well she, if you knew who she was why are you allowing her to do that and the story the line that that just sticks out constantly those who are forgiven a lot love a lot and those mm. that are given a little love a little so i've made a lot of mistakes and i've made a big mess so um i've got big love and just hold on to that that um don't allow to don't don't condemn yourself god's grace is enough for us all that's the most beautiful thing I've heard. And thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that. And you've left me speechless. So with that, I'm going to, I'm going to end this episode and thank you again. And remember, we all have the ability to, to tune in to, you know, to pray. In, I'm going to say pray into God's grace, right? So have an amazing day, everybody. I'm Kristen Crockett. This is the Courageous Destiny podcast. Thank you, Joni, for this very special episode. Thank you. Bye for now.